I want to talk to you today about understanding the spiritual world that you and I live in. I want to start right where Jesus started in Mark chapter 1 and verse 15. He said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. In one translation, Jesus said it this way, the God's kingdom's here, so rethink your life. God's kingdom is here, so rethink your life. He said, because of the reality of the kingdom of God, he said, you need to rethink everything about your life. In 1 John 5.19, it says, we know for a fact. Now, some of you are going to wonder about this, but this is a spiritual fact. That we're of God and the whole world around us lies in the power of the evil one opposing God and his precepts. You know, a lot of us live as if there was no such thing as a devil. And, and really, there is one place in your life you need to give the devil a place, and that is in your theology. You need to recognize that there is a devil. The Bible says that he is your enemy. He goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And, and he devours ignorant people. He devours people that act like he does not even exist. The Message Bible says we know that we are held, in, held firm by God. And it's only the people of the world who continue in the grip of the evil one. So what actually happened spiritually at Calvary? The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, it says, who delivered us from the power of darkness, that's Satan's kingdom, and translated us into the kingdom of the son of his love. And really getting saved is just transferring kingdoms. It's coming out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God, coming out from under Satan's domain and lordship, under the domain and lordship of Jesus. Uh, Living Bible says he has rescued us out of the darkness and gloom of Satan's kingdom and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. Ways translation, he's rescued us from the tyrancy of darkness. Barclay, from the grip of the power of darkness. My favorite translation, Jordan. It was the father who sprang us from the jailhouse of darkness and turned us loose into the new world of his beloved son. Another translation, we who delivered us out of the tyrannical rule of darkness. You need to understand that the devil hates you. He hates you because God loves you. He hates God and he can't hurt God. So what he wants to do is hurt what God loves. And God loves you. And uh, many scholars believe there's another reason he hates you so much is because you're taking his job. You may not realize it, but uh, Ezekiel chapter 28 would lead us to believe that what Satan did in heaven was he was like the choir director. The Bible talks about it having musical instruments in his body. But when he got kicked out of heaven, he lost his job. And how many of you know you and I, we're going to go and what we're going to be doing, we're going to be taking his place. We're going to be worshiping. How many of you know you hate that guy that took your job? And in a sense, you and I were taking the devil's job, right? He hates us for it. I want to go back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And this is going to be very, very basic, very, very elementary. But yet, as Peter said, he said, as long as I'm alive, 
I'm going to make sure that you are reminded of these things. So God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So when you were created, God created you to have dominion. That's what you were created for, to have dominion over this earth, in fact, over every creeping thing. And so you probably heard me say it, but you have authority over all creeps. Because God gave you dominion over creeps, everything that creeps. Then he said in Genesis chapter 2, God put the man, took him, put him in the Garden of Eden to tend, guard, and keep it. To tend, guard, and keep it. And I would like to say that you have that very same responsibility in your life, in your family, and in your world. You have that same responsibility that God gave to Adam, to tend, to guard, and to keep. And, and you know the story. Satan comes, tempts Adam and Eve. Eve eats them out of house and home, and they lose their spot. Some of you will catch that later. But, but a lot more happened that day. In fact, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is being tempted by the devil. The devil takes him up to a high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I can give it to whomsoever I wish. Therefore, if you'll worship me, all will be yours. Now, he said all of the glory, the dominion of all the nations of the earth, he said, it's been given to me. Now, if the devil is lying, there's no temptation. So the devil says, all of the glory, the dominion of the earth, he said, I've got it. And he said, it's been given to me. The question is, who gave it to him? The answer, Adam. What Satan did when Adam and Eve sinned is he took their dominion. God had given them the earth. They were to have dominion over all the earth. In Psalms 8, it said that God had put all things under their feet. Right? So Adam and Eve lost their position, and Satan came in and he took that dominion. Of course, Jesus came to get it back. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Luke 10, verse 19, Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the devil, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. All the power of the enemy. That's who the devil is. The devil is the enemy of your soul and of your life. And you need to confront him. What you and I need to do is we need to demonstrate the victory that Jesus obtained at the cross. Because the devil does not play fair. He just doesn't play fair. So the Bible says in Mark 3 and verse 13, they, the disciples, drove out many demons. In other words, they, they, they drove them out. It, it, they didn't say, devil, go, and he said, okay. No, they had to drive them out. When Jesus arose from the dead, he appears to the disciples. He says, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Go you, therefore. What he's doing is he's giving the disciples, he's giving the church authority. That authority that he had, 
He gave it right back to the church. We can say Adam lost it, Jesus got it back and gave it to the church. Jesus said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Now, let me just say it this way. Milk toast Christians don't have any victory. If you just sit back and let happen whatever happens, you will never have victory. You've got to realize in the kingdom that the kingdom suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. The translation said the violent are pushing their way into the kingdom. One of the, the greatest tragedies of the church is an overemphasis on the sovereignty of God. I want you to listen carefully. Right? Is God sovereign? Yes, he is. But listen, God limited himself with his word. So what we do is when, the de- when, when there's problems, we're like, God, the devil's after me. Get him. Right? But the Bible says, James 4, 7, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. We want God to go after him. And God's saying, I've given you the authority and you need to go after him. The truth is, God's done everything about the devil he's going to do until Jesus comes back. He whipped him at the cross and gave you and I authority. Uh, 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith. The Bible says resist, he'll flee. And again, the last time he fled is the last time you resisted. And if you just sit back and you think all that God wants for you is going to happen in your life, you are dead wrong. Because the kingdom of God suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. You cannot just sit back and think, oh, everything God wants is going to happen. Jesus described the devil this way in John 10, 10, the thief only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. In fact, right here is a great theological statement that we should, we should make. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Just so that there's no confusion, I want you to repeat this. Good God, bad devil. Now, if you understand that, and I don't mean to be funny, but if you understand that, you understand more than 90% of theologians. Good God, bad devil. In James chapter 1, it says that every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the Father of light in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God does not have bad days and do bad things. Every good gift, every perfect gift, comes down from the Father of light, in whom there is no variation, not even a shadow of turning. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good. Why? Because God's with him. Went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. So everybody who Jesus healed, ultimately, the tra- if you were to trace that sickness back, 
You can trace its roots back to the devil. Went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Good God, bad devil. I know people have a hard time grasping this. Um, You've probably heard somebody say something similar to this. I've heard them say something similar to this. I've had people come right up to me and say, well, why would I serve a God? I mean, look at this world. There's wars, there's famine, there's pestilence, there's child abuse, there's rape, there's, there's uh, AIDS, there's prejudice, there's cancer, there's hatred. Why would I serve a God who does that? I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. That's the God of this world, the devil. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Look, just look at the book of Genesis before the devil shows up. You've got Adam and Eve and God in a beautiful, beautiful garden. They're having fellowship every day. There's no hatred. There's no anger. There's no prejudice. There's no marriage problems. I mean, everything is good. Everything's good. Until the devil shows up. And once the devil shows up, it's a mess. And uh, Somebody said, well, they're just going to stay in that garden forever. No, that wasn't God's plan at all. You know, God told them to subdue and to fill the earth. I mean, they were going, they were going to get out of that. They were going to go and subdue and fill the earth. That was God's plan. But once the devil showed up, everything changed. Genesis chapter 3, everything changed. Now, we finally do get rid of him, by the way, in Revelation chapter 20 in verse 10. And he's thrown into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are. And they're going to be tormented day and night forever and ever. And by the way, if the devil ever shows up bothering you and say, man, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, you just need to say, look, let's talk about your future. (laughs) Revelation 2010. All right. He will, will shut him up right now. All right. So then we're done with the devil. All right. And now, now look what happens once he's gone. I saw a new heaven, and a new earth. Now, look at me. Because we Christians, we've got this weird idea. Right? We think that we're going to spend forever in a place called heaven. Right? That we are going to float on clouds. We're going to wear diapers. <laughs> play harps. <laughs> float around, and shoot bow and arrows. I have no desire to wear diapers, play a harp, or a sheet, or anything like that, all right? Listen, you will not spend eternity in a place that you think you're going to be in a cloud wearing sheets and diapers and floating around with naked baby angels not happening right here i saw a new heaven and a new earth now literally here when it says heaven it's talking about the atmosphere that's what it's talking about what you and i would call the atmosphere in the bible there's three heavens 
right? The first one is the atmosphere. The second one's outer space. The third one is a place where God lives. Paul said, I went to the third heaven. I saw things that's not even lawful for a man to speak. When it's saying a new heaven, it's talking about a brand new atmosphere and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Peter talks about how it happens. All right? And by the way, it's not a nuclear holocaust. God destroys the earth with fire. The Bible says every element will melt. But then he makes a new atmosphere and a new earth. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, the place where God lives, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Um, you know, if you move, you might pack some suitcases. You might get a U-Haul. But when God moves, God takes a city. Because God is moving from that place that you and I refer to as heaven, right? And he's moving to this new earth that he has just made. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He'll dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself will be, will be with them and be their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying. There'll be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Now, once we're rid of the devil, sickness, disease, pain, death, famine, you name it, it's gone. There was none before he was here, and there's going to be none once he's gone. All right? that, that, that is good news. That is good news. And, and this idea, I've talked to people who say, well, I don't want to go to heaven. It's boring. Listen, listen, right? According to the Bible, right? you will spend eternity on a brand new earth, and God will take what makes heaven heaven and bring it here, and you will live with him here forever and ever. Now, listen, this earth as it stands right now, it's cursed. I still like it. It's great. It's beautiful. All right. But you know what? The new one, improved one, is going to be like a hundred times better. All right. Heaven is not going to be a boring, boring place, floating on clouds, wearing diapers, playing harps with naked baby angels. Ain't going to be. All right. And it's when the devil's gone that God's original plan comes back. Now, in, in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is in the synagogue. He said, and suddenly they cried out saying, these are the demons. What do we have to do with you, Jesus, son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Before the time. You see, there, 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 we can look at it like this. That God gave the earth to Adam, but it was a lease. Psalms 24 says, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the sea and all that dwell therein. It belongs to God, but God gave Adam authority. He gave him a lease. But the lease is going to run out, and the devil knows the lease is going to run out. So when Jesus showed up, the demons actually said, are you going to torment us before the time? They know the time is coming when that lease is going to run out. In fact, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 12 
It says, Rejoice, O heavens, and you who do well in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows his time is short. He knows his time is short. Exactly when the end of that time is, I, I, I do not know. But I know we're getting close. I, I really believe that there are people that are he, right here today. You're going to be alive when Jesus comes. When Jesus went to Nazareth, his hometown, to preach, it says in Luke 4, 16, it says he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. They handed him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and he opened the book. He found the place where it's written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. In fact, what we have right here is Jesus' mission statement in 50 words. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And the Bible says that he closed the book. He gave it back to the attendant. And then he went and he sat down. Now, he was quoting Isaiah 61. And, and let me just give that second verse. Most of that's the first verse. It says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's the last of Jesus' phrase. And then it says, in the day of vengeance of our God. Now, Jesus didn't read that part. right? Because the day of vengeance of our God is often referred to in the Bible as the day of the Lord. That's judgment day. Judgment day. Do, do you realize that there is a judgment day coming? Right? And, and by the way, when the Bible refers to the day of the Lord, don't think about a 24-hour period because it's not a 24-hour period. The day of the Lord is the last, listen, the last three and a half years of human government. Because Jesus is coming back, right? Every New Testament author, everyone, talks about Jesus' return. And when he comes back, he's going to rule and reign. Literally, rule and reign on the earth. Right? And, and that last three and a half years before he comes back, when God literally judges the earth, the people in this earth, for the ungodliness that they've done, is referred to as the day of the Lord. So literally in one verse, it says the acceptable year of the Lord. We call it the age of grace. The time when anyone and everyone is welcome to come into the kingdom of God. To make Jesus the Lord of their life. But the day of judgment, the day of the vengeance of our God is coming. And at the end on judgment day, the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In other words, right now, we have an opportunity to join the kingdom, to come on in. But there will be a day when every knee will be forced to bow and proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, I know there's a lots of, of uh, discussion in, in Christian circles today about heaven, about hell. And, and I, I want to just talk to you just for a few minutes 
about you and about eternity. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, it says, May the very God of peace sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you are a trichotomy, right? You are a spirit, you have a soul or a mind, and you live inside of a body. Three parts. And in a real way, listen, you're a hybrid being. You are a hybrid, right? You buy a hybrid car, and part of it will, will run on, on gas, but then you've got an electric motor. They're both there, right? Now, that's what you're like. Animals live in an animal kingdom, and they have a body, and they have a soul or a mind, right? And they can contact this natural world, right? Angels, on the other hand, are spirits, Right? They, they live in and contact that spiritual realm. But you have a physical body, but you are a spirit. So you contact both the natural world and the spiritual world. Because you, there is a part of you that is from both. In fact, in Genesis chapter 2, God formed man out of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul, or an immortal soul. Now, to be immortal means you have a beginning, but you will never have an ending. So when God breathed into Adam, he became an immortal soul. Now, now we've had several dogs, and, and, and some of them, I mean, just like, I was just crazy about our dogs. Right? Now, I know you shouldn't be, but I was. I remember I, I would come home, hit that garage door opener, thing would open up, my dog would run over, sit down, and smile. I'm not, I am serious, all right? She would smile at me, you know? I mean, you, I, I, I like to fish, and if she would see, you could put a steak right in front of her, and if she'd see me with a fishing pole, she'd just leave that steak, and she'd like, let's go fishing. I mean, we, he was my buddy, all right? Now, how many of you realize your pets have a personality? They have a soul. Right? But what they don't have is a spirit. You see, and what makes you different right, is that you have a spirit. God breathed something into you. The Bible says that God is the father of spirits. And because of that, that spirit attached to your soul, your soul became a living soul, an immortal soul. You will live someplace forever. You know, we say to people, hey, receive Jesus, you'll live forever. No, well, that's true. But it's true if you don't receive Jesus. It's just a matter of where you're going to live. Everybody lives forever. Because you're a spirit and the spirits live forever. Je Jesus said in John 4, God is a spirit. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit. And truth. And, and by the way, it's your spirit that's supposed to dominate your life, dominate your soul, and dominate your body. All right? So you're, God, God's a spirit. You're a spirit. Hebrews 1, it says he makes his angels spirits. Angels are spirits. Do angels retire when they're 365 years old? No, they never retire because they don't get old. The Bible says in Corinthians, though the outward man perishes. How many of you know your physical body? Getting old. You lose stuff. 
It's just the way it is, you know. Somebody says you get furniture disease in your chest, ends up in your drawers. You know, uh, stuff happens, you get old. The outward man perishes, but the inward man is made new every day. You see, your spirit, you, you may be 103 years old, but your spirit is still 16. You're just trapped in this old body. Right? Just trapped. Your spirit never gets old. Never. Right? That's why you will live someplace forever. Solomon dealt with this. This is what he said. He said, when a where a tree falls, there it will lie, whether to the north or to the south. Now, he's not talking about trees. He's talking about people. He said, when you fall, when you die, instantly you're sealed. You're either right with God or you're not right with God. You see, you don't die and negotiate. The moment you die, you're sealed for all of eternity. Now, let me just close with, with one last scripture in Hebrews chapter 2. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood. You live in a flesh and blood body. He himself shared in the same. So Jesus came in a flesh and blood body just like yours. That through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid, help, salvation to angels. But he does give aid or salvation to the seed of Abraham. Now, so get this. Angels can't get saved. You say, why not? Because they don't have a flesh and blood body. That's why they can't get saved. But Jesus came in a flesh and blood body, and in that flesh and blood body, he paid for sin and condemned sin. And you can only receive what Jesus did for you as long as you live in a flesh and blood body. Right? Once you die... It's too late. We can say it this way. Your body is your earth suit. To go to outer space, you need to have a space suit. To stay on earth, you need an earth suit. So I recommend you take good care of yours. You only get one, right? And it's appointed for a man to die once, and after that, the judgment, the Bible says. You die once, and after that, the judgment. Jesus loved you so much that he left heaven and came as a human being in a flesh and blood body just like yours to redeem you to save you god never wanted any person to go to hell jesus said hell was made for the devil and his angels but if you're not right with god and you step into the eternal realm there's only two places for you to go one is a place of torment that was literally made for the devil and his angels. And the other, Jesus said, enter into the joy that my Father has prepared for you. We refer to it often as heaven, but again, it, you're going to spend eternity on a brand new recreated earth with God himself being your Father. The Bible says that he will dwell with them, be with them, and be their God.